Can different ethnic groups celebrate their culture without exacerbating racism? Can we as believers participate in these celebrations without betraying or working against the unity of the kingdom of God? If you've ever wondered anything like this, you're in luck because that is exactly what we're talking about in today's bonus episode of the Saved and Woke podcast. Keep it locked. You are now tuned in to Saved and Woke. Hey everybody, it's your boy MSW, that's Mr. Saved and Woke, also known as Juan Enrique Tusei, and I am here with the man, the myth, the legend <laughs> himself, Mr. Magnificent Miles. Say what's up, Miles. What's going on, everybody? Uh, just wanted to say hello, it's Mr. Magnificent Miles, also known as Miles Magnifico, because oh. everything I do is magnificent. So just wanted to say hello, and uh, I'm honored to sit down and have another conversation with Juan. Cool, man. Thank you so much. So as you can see, this is not my usual format of the show. If you're, well, if you're watching anyway, um, I'm talking to Miles via video chat. And reason being is because, you know, things go on in the world that you can't always schedule. Um, well, and technically I could have scheduled this, but it slipped my mind. <laughs> but but um, Miles recently went to an event um and i'll let him explain later what like tell him what what the event was but i, I really just want to hear about his experience because i can tell he had a great time um and then we're going to use that as our you know as our diving board i guess into deeper conversation but yeah miles go ahead so tell us share with us the the event that you went to uh was it last week or a couple of weeks ago uh it was a couple weeks ago, so not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before that, which is, let's double check the date, uh, August 12th. So there was an annual, there's an annual event called Black August in the Park that is thrown in Durham, North Carolina. And uh, every August they have, they rent out an area in a park that's really close to downtown. Um, where they have black vendors, a DJ, and um, people putting up informational booths about different th things that may pertain to blackness, but typically more related to like black activism. Um, some things talking about uh, awareness and knowledge about uh, like prison reform and voting and uh, different things um, that and on that uh, level where people are able to get information about just things that may pertain to their blackness or them as people. And um, it was a blast. They had uh, food vendors. It was a bunch of food trucks out there that mm -hmm. uh, particularly were like ran by black people. So it was like black business, black people, black music, and black love. That's what's up. So can you kind of, Paint the picture or give us like a play-by-play -play of your experience, like when you first heard about it and then like, I guess you're, like, did you know what it was when you first heard about it? I had no clue what it was. All I know is that I moved, I just moved to Durham for the first time back in May. 
Mm-hmm. So I've lived in North Carolina for about three years, but Chapel Hill has ten trends to be either very young, affluent, and white, or older family populations, richer and white. Um, and that's not really a problem, but when you move to Durham, which is a historically black community and neighborhood, and then you start seeing there's more opportunities for African-Americans or Africans, just black people in general, to interact. So um, I was out meeting uh, a bunch of people in the community and they was like, oh, well, have you ever been to Black August in the park? And I was like, I have no clue what that is. <laughs> I said, I have no idea. And they say, oh, well, you should go. It's a bunch of fun. And I was like, nobody's going to tell me what actually happens. <laughs> okay. So, um, so I, right before the week leading up to Black August in the park, I was re, uh, a bunch of people reached out to me and said, yo, are you going to Black August in the park? And I said, yes, but what is it? And nobody still gave me the answers. And it was funny because I'm walking distance away from the park that it was held at. Oh, and, yeah, I was like, and I was like, okay, great. This is nice. All right. So you know what? I'm just going to walk. Um, I called two of my friends and we all, they met up at my house and we walked. And it's, it's, it took like 15 minutes to get there. And as we walked, I started to see just like a bunch of black people. And I was like, yo. I feel like I'm back at home because <laughs> I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. So uh, one of the one has one of the highest populations of African Americans in the United States for years. People people joke and call it like the black Mecca or the motherland in in especially when you think about uh, post reconstruction, post industrialization of the United States. So I'm walking, I see a bunch of black people. And then somebody drives by an old school Cadillac with spinning rims. And I said, oh, I'm home. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, I walk up and it's this huge tent and the event is free. So there's no charge. The only thing you had to do is RSVP um, to show so they can know how many, they could keep account of how many people actually showed up. It's free. They, gave, they were giving away free water bottles when we walked in, like, just so everybody could stay hydrated. Then you step in, and it's a pavilion on your left. And it is, like, DJs and all these, like, booths with information set up going all the way around the entire pavilion. There is a bunch of people sitting out with lawn chairs and, like, uh, picnic blankets and, like, just sitting out relaxing in the middle section. And then on the right, where the streets are, there are a bunch of food trucks. So you, you smell like Jamaican food and like people are walking around with these huge like pineapples with like smoothie drinks inside of them. And there's just all this different food and people and it's black people as far as the eye can see. So when I get there, I'm like, oh, this is great. So a couple of my friends also met me over there. And I just like walked around. I walked around just seeing and being around people. They played old school hip hop. Then they played like Al Green. Then they turned around and played like Outkast. And then, you know, and it was just diverse expressions of blackness. A lot of people had on um, uh, traditional African clothing. Some people uh, were just like just 
fabulous just came in with like their hair done up and then some people just were like relaxed and chilling people had grills different colored hair it was just a blast seeing so many expressions of blackness in one place mm-hmm. and um i went there originally i showed up originally just because i was like yo maybe i meet some new people um there there is a value of meeting other people who have a similar cultural experience that you do and i was like okay so this let's see what happens and i went there and just people were so friendly like i'm in the line to get a smoothie and the lady in front of me starts up a whole conversation and by the end of it it almost made me seem like she wanted to adopt me into her family it was just so awesome just being around people and just not having to have a sense of worry about being too anything mm. so it was it was a amazing experience and everybody stayed out there i stayed out there for about 3 hours until it rained and everybody split <laughs> Yeah, it rained about like 2 hours into the whole event so everybody split up. So around that time I walked home a little bit soggy but everything was okay. <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. So let's revisit that comment that you just made about not having to worry about being quote unquote to anything. Yes. What yes. exactly did you mean by that? <sighs> So yeah, so as a black man, we're taught a lot of unwritten social norms to keep us safe. So, um especially post Black Lives Matter, there are a lot of conversations that go on about how black men have to go through the talk, but that talk is completely different from the traditional when people say the talk and they really mean like the birds and bees talk. Yeah. and in that there as time goes on we add on different layers of knowledge to protect ourselves so in certain places we know so oh and 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 i guess people now say that this is more akin to respectability politics as taught to be safe so for us to be safe there are certain things you shouldn't do you shouldn't be too loud you shouldn't dress a certain way you shouldn't act a certain way in public always be careful around this group of people or this group of people there are a lot of different levels and layers where they say don't do this even the idea that we listen to our music and the people complain and say that it's too loud or we like a lot of bass or we dance we 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 dance pretty much anywhere at any time just to just because we feel like it or our favorite song comes on and everybody knows all the words and we sing along um there is a sense of blackness that is not always quantified but is also sometimes refused by mainstream america so without and so being able to act as yourself without being seen as being too ghetto too too loud too black too anything alternative than what is looked at as this is how respectable members of society should be mm-hmm. which is set up by society at the same time 
So all, all that is the two anything. So you can be the idea of being able to be completely yourself and have fun and laugh loud and and not have to worry about being policed or somebody judging you for those for those spaces or those moments is refreshing. So Black August in the Park was like a chance to just see people being unapologetically black. That's and that's I'm a blessing. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I agree. And I myself have been to Black August in the Park. My first time was last year. Mm-hmm. And it just completely slipped my mind this year. And so I could, of course, I could have talked about my experience. But I wanted to, as soon as I saw your picture, well, and I'll share it if I can. Uh, yeah. Miles, I'll share this one picture in particular that Miles posted to Instagram. <laughs> and this dude was just cooling to the fullest, just <laughs> chilling <laughs> at its at its purest at its purest form so i knew that because it was more recent and also because it was first time that he would have a much more vivid and and colorful uh retelling of of his experience (laughs) and i i really appreciate that man like i i enjoyed it as well for for all of the same reasons i was just like oh okay i can be me now yes and and that doesn't necessarily mean that there are things that are anti-black that we like it's just the knowing that you will not be judged no matter how you how you choose to present yourself and i think that's the freedom and it's funny because there's a universal cultural memory also from like blackness in america so the photo that um you're referring to is a photo of me sitting relaxing in a wicker chair and for people who don't know what a wicker chair is, a wicker chair is, is a large straw knit chair. And it is stereotypically in all of like old black family photos. Yes. Your grandmother has one somewhere. And, and it was so hilarious because like I was walking and then I looked to my right and they have like a little platform. And they had the old, like, I guess it's like an oriental rug that everybody has that's knit in these weird uh, patterns. And it's, it almost looks like when people look through a kaleidoscope and see, like, the weird uh, symmetrical shapes. And that's the rug. So they had the rug. They had a couch. Um, I think, so I talked to somebody and they said they were considering putting the, the plastic on the couch so that everybody <laughs> so to remind everybody of everybody's grandmother's yeah, house grandmama's plastic yes the plastic couch and um and the wicker chair and they said they literally set this up to be a photo a photo uh place a photo booth a photo opportunity not even for people to sit in so it was funny because some people a family almost sat down and started to relax and eat and they said no you can't do that here this is for photos so then it clearly demonstrated that people from black people from different areas and different times, because I'm born Detroit, Michigan, and to have people in North Carolina have the same uh, shared consciousness and same habits and traditions and things that they have in their house, 
for everybody to get excited when they see the wicker chair and take pictures really connected to like a shared experience of blackness. That's what's up. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, it was last year. So all I'm going to say is I echo your feelings. Exactly. <laughs> um, so thank you, Miles, for sharing your experience. I really appreciate that. And I enjoyed hearing it. I mean, I'm like, this is a genuine smile because I'm, I am seeing, you know, your experience, of course, through your eyes as best I can. But then just remembering my time, I'm like, yeah, man, that was yeah. when I first walked up. And I was like, oh, this is yeah. what this is. So my next question is, I mean, because this is obviously the mm. Saved and Woke podcast. Very so much so. You and I are both believers Yes. And, you know, the core of our identity is our, you know, citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. Yes. So, like, as a believer, like, is it okay for us or anybody? Well, let's just talk about us specifically as, as black men. Um, yes. And just so everybody knows, I'm not, you know, pushing my Puerto Rican heritage to the side, but we're talking about Black August in the Park, so we're just going to talk about blackness right now. <laughs> <All right. laughs> So as black people who also are believers, like, mm -hmm. is it okay for us to, to celebrate our heritage or are we like just causing more division and exacerbating or, oh yeah, exacerbating the racial divide that mm. already exists? So there are multiple levels to that question that we, we must look at it from, right? Mm -hmm. The first level, so you're saying as a Christian is in a space specified for blackness. Is that causing more division? Is it excluding people? Is it exasperating the the issues that go on in America right now? No. <laughs> Straight like that. Straight no. like that. Because um, I don't believe in any way, shape, and form that people would have been excluded from that experience. I don't think, um, and, I, and I didn't see, I didn't pay attention super closely to everyone in the crowd. But I don't think that if a white person showed up, they would be booed, kicked out, and not, a, not allowed. Um, so because of that, I think that in America, there's a level of, especially looking at the history of America, where there were so many spaces where blackness, and that, that includes other ethnicities too. So if we wanna say brown, or we want to talk about Asian populations, if we want to talk about all these different groups, there were spaces where we weren't allowed. Mm -hmm. So in the process of being excluded from so many places, we created places where we're allowed to be freely. However, I do think that there is, if we were talking negatively or, um, hating or focusing on anybody else except for us in that for us to have our identity, mm -hmm. then I think that would be completely contra and against 
Christian beliefs and the celebration of blackness in that way would be false. I think, I think Christianity, uh, I think Christianity is the idea of saying that we're all equal under, under Christ. That's how, that's how, how I look at it. You know, we, there's, um, we can read and we can read some of the words of Peter and some of the words of Paul, where they talk about how we're all equal servants of Christ. So I think what creates, what will cause a problem is creating inequality. I think you can celebrate your differences without, uh, without degrading other people. Mm -hmm. And the moment that you start degrading other people, I think that's where the issue comes that's completely against our Christian identity. Because I love my brother, I love my neighbor, I love people of different ethnicities and different backgrounds. But when I turn around and I say, when I turn around and say, God, it's just so good to be away from white people because white people are this, that, and the third. That's a problem. That's the moment that it goes for me because we talk about love thy neighbor like you love thyself. Well, if we've never been taught to love ourselves and we never have that opportunity to love ourselves, we can't love someone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> say that, sir. Can you say that again for the people in the back? <laughs> you know, You know what? So if we've never been taught to love ourselves, we can't love somebody else. However, what tends to happen is that in America, we're taught to love them and to consistently love somebody else. And, not, and then we turn around and internalize a hatred for ourselves. And if you hate yourself, your love for somebody else is false and it becomes envy. So then that's when we have a lot of moments when we talk about racial equality and things happen where that racial equality turns out to be desired role reversal of superiority. Yeah. So then you have, that's when you end up having black men being misogynistic to black women because we're looking at what white men and white women are able to do. And then we oppress someone also in our own community, in our own households. Trying so, to, try to latch on to that superiority. Yes. And that's because we haven't learned to appreciate and love ourselves. But I cannot forget, you also have to have a love of Christ. If you do not have Christ as your central point, your central, your, your, your basic uh, ground zero from understanding and learning about yourself, you can't possibly learn how to love yourself or love someone else. Mm-hmm. So in these moments where we have a group of people together that are celebrating their existence and shared experiences, it's just like it would have been a festival of the Israelites where we all are around each other. Outsiders are welcome, 
but this is something that we're celebrating who we are and our shared experiences. So the idea is that visitors can come into that situation. The visitors are more than welcome, but this is a celebration of us being emancipated from slavery. This is a celebration of, and a reminder of what we've gone through, which what we see is very well paralleled in the Bible when we talk about the Israelites and the festivals and doing things in remembrance of. Yeah. That's what's up. <laughs> yeah. That was good. Okay. Was, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. And so I do specifically remember that there were uh, not a lot, but a handful of, of white families walking around when I went to black Ox, at black Ox in the park. And it was just like you said, like nobody was, you know, giving them the evil eye or anything. I remember when I did notice them, like the only thought that I had was, I was like, I wonder if they're like uncomfortable, you know? <laughs> I, I mean, they didn't look it, but I was just like, I mean, what if they're uncomfortable? Because I know I'm just thinking of my experience in yeah. predominantly um, white spaces. And sometimes, you know, I'm just like, okay, not really sure what's going on here, whatever. <laughs> uh, but I'm here. <laughs> So, uh, so that actually makes me want to ask you a question. Oh, so you don't flip, uh -oh. the table. flip the table. <laughs> not like last time. I'm the interviewing now. Go ahead, man. <laughs> yeah. No, but but one thing I do want to ask, and I'll I'll say say my opinion on it also. So it's not uh, we're not flipping the tables completely. But is that is the idea of a white or non-black minority being in a predominantly black space? Is that experience fundamentally different than being in a predominantly white space as a minority? Yeah. <laughs> and yes, why? I yeah, I will. Yes, it is. So um, if you are a person from a minority culture, or minority ethnicity, however you want to call it, and you are in a white space, then you have all these people who, there's a power differential there, basically. Mm -hmm. All these people here are not in reality, but socially superior to you. Mm -hmm. And you are the inferior one just trying to survive and just make it out unscathed, you know, um, or trying to do your best to blend in mm -hmm. and, and get by. Whereas if you are, well, if you are in the majority culture and you're looking and you just happen to find yourself in this space that's celebrating uh, minority culture, then although in this little microcosm, mm -hmm. it's majority Black, Hispanic, Asian, um, Middle Eastern or whatever it may be. Like the larger context that we are in in America, still like yeah. you're still in the superior position. So it's kind of I feel like it's kind of like, and I almost kind of even I did get the sense that they had this like there was still like an air of a little bit of superiority in that you know okay mm -hmm. yeah we're gonna you know we're gonna see here we're here you know visiting seeing how y'all yeah. get down oh yeah that's cute this is cool oh yeah taste this this is funny. You know, yeah. and so there's not there's not the there's not the fear there's not the pressure to try and fit in for your best. Mm -hmm. So in that in that respect, um, it is 
different. Um, and I'm not saying that every white person who goes to yeah, a yeah, minority is like thinking of it that way, but you still, whether you, whether you are purposely taking advantage of it or not, you have yeah. that privilege. Yeah. I think um, I completely agree. And that, that's where it becomes interesting because then by being Christian, that kind of flips the dynamic too is because is it is there a level where assimilation because that's that's what i think one of the biggest issues with america is that it's been coded that the default is whiteness and when the default is whiteness because you hear why don't why don't they just assimilate why don't they just, and then even the idea, which is very harmful, because uh, this past week, um, Crazy Rich Asians came out, right? And Crazy Rich Asians is a romantic comedy based off of a book that um, was based off a book that's about five years old. And the, this is the first movie since, I think, Think Like a Man, um, with a predominantly a minority cast that broke box office records coming out. And black this Panther. is a, like, well, so black, so that's the romantic comedy side, oh, okay. but Black Panther, um, Black Panther was looked at as another, um, another movie that came along that was, um, that was bucking uh, traditional Hollywood norms. And the idea is that, this is okay because the, and it's such a landmark because on average the default of movies and the knowledge that they claim is that you have to have a white lead actor or actress for it to make money in hollywood so even when we look at um scarlett johansson playing an asian character in ghost in the shell and it bombed horribly <laughs> yeah. Or we can talk about um like there's Iron Fist on Netflix. <laughs> yes, Iron Fist on Netflix, which sucks for more than one reason. It sucks it's not just because he's not Asian. Like Yeah, yeah, no. Reasons. <laughs> it honestly they could have picked somebody who would have fit that much better and been much more of a charismatic actor actor and still been white and it would have been much better. Yeah. <laughs> So let's make that clear. Yes, you're right. But, but the idea of whiteness being the default, I think is what creates the urge for each community to have a sense of representation in America. So you end up with moments of Black Panther and Black people being so happy to have a positive representation outside of people being cops because we've seen every major black actor be a cop or every major black baller. And that, those are the only uh, representations that we get. So for us to be able to have heroes and to say, yes, this is something to hold on to, or for the Asian community to say, hey, these are two, this is a whole movie with Asian American representation or Asian representation where it's not just kung fu movies or the genius like 
being able to step outside of that and have a celebration of self is very important. But the moment that it becomes a celebration of self by degradation of another, once again, we step out of that Christian basis, that Christian focal point. True. I got you. Thank you, man. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So, okay, I guess we've established now that minorities, at least, can have uh, cultural and heritage celebrations without go without breaking it or without without automatically going against mm-hmm. the will of God and being yeah. like unchristian in their celebration. Um, yeah. But my next question: okay. Can can white people celebrate their ethnic and cultural history and their and their their ethnicity and culture like as Americans? Not talking. I'm not talking about European. Like, oh yeah, okay. I'm Irish and. Or on St. Patrick's Day, we do X, Y, and Z, or any like European holiday that they mm. would, that they might celebrate. But can they celebrate American whiteness or American or like white majority culture mm-hmm. without being um, hateful or misogynistic mm-hmm. or antichrist in any way? I think that I think that question rests on the idea of what do you celebrate? Mm. Um, Because I, me, myself, and like I said, this is strictly the views of uh, Mr. Magnificent Miles. It has nothing to do with uh, Saved and Woke Entertainment. (laughs) Um, Thank you you for that. (laughs) Just had to make sure I said it. But I don't, think that celebrating the confederacy is um a positive representation of american and or white culture um because the confederacy even if you go back through and read um the articles of succession for so the reason why the confederacy separated from the union separated from the rest of the united states slavery is literally mentioned in all of them and that is a, so that one is based on the dehumanization of other people. Mm-hmm. And if that is what you're celebrating, if that is the history that you're celebrating, that is fundamentally against Christ. That's against the Bible. That's against, because you're looking down and you're parading and celebrating being better than someone else. And that's where the faulty, the faultiness comes from. And if I had to, I'm, I'm trying to think what would be a good, um, what would something be for um, white culture to celebrate? Um, honestly, I really enjoy, I think there's a celebration, there's an inherent celebration whenever the 4th of July, just in general. I think um, being able to barbecue and fireworks and just spend time with family, I think that's a celebration of American culture, but I don't think you can completely separate Blackness, Latino, um, Middle Eastern, uh, Indian, Asian, or Native American from, from America because it's such a mosaic. Yeah. 
However, I will say this because at the same time, celebrating the 4th of July might be contradictory towards um, indigenous people. So mm-hmm. I'm, not, uh, uh, I'm not well-versed enough on uh, indigenous um, uh, history and indigenous uh, viewpoints for me to speak on their, on their behalf. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad you said that because I was having a conversation with another friend mm-hmm. who was also a friend of the Saved and Woke show um, that you all will meet later about <laughs> this very same topic. And I was saying, you know what? I think, I think white people can enjoy being white and celebrate their particular cultures. I think Southern white people can enjoy being Southern without being racist. Cause I'm like, just think, just think of some things that are Southern that are just good. Fried chicken, sweet tea, watermelon <laughs> in the summer, you know, like, uh, yes, it's also sh- something that's shared with, you know, Southern black people as well, but that's just a part of being Southern that you can appreciate and hold on to um, and highlight without tearing other people down. And I think I'm glad that you say it, that you said that like specifically celebrating the Confederacy, whether you yourself, quote unquote, aren't racist or not, it's just, it's not okay because of exactly what you said of how, like the only reason that there is a Confederacy is because the South didn't want to give up slavery. Yeah. They were too greedy and they were too, um, you know, high on themselves. Uh, They were really, uh, really enjoying what, you know, what was it? W.E.B. Du Bois said was the psychological wage of whiteness. So the, the rich white people, they didn't want to give up their money. And the poor white people, they didn't want to give up that their superiority, social, that social superiority of whiteness. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so like, that's the only reason that there's a Confederacy. So when people say like, oh, well, it's just a flag, man. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's, this is my culture. And I was like, you know what? I have, I have an example. Okay. I have some visual aids and I'm going to, sh- it's going to look a little baby to, to, to miles, but I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna I'm I'm make it look real nice for y'all who are watching YouTube. But I have some pictures of some things that are just flags. Okay, yeah. so this right here, this right here, this is just a flag right here. This is mm-hmm. just a flag. Mm-hmm. This, just a flag. Just a saying? flag. This is just a flag. The Confederate mm-hmm. flag is not just a flag. Just like the American flag is not just a flag, or mm-hmm. any flag representing. Um, another nation, a cause, or creed, or anything like that. The reason is, is because it's just that. It's a symbol. It's a representation of an idea, of an ideology, of Mm -hmm. certain beliefs, of certain values. And what does the Confederate, what was the value of the Confederacy? This is exactly what you just said, which was maintaining the superiority of whites um, Mm -hmm. over, over black people, over black bodies. And so mm-hmm. I was like, if you're celebrating the Confederacy, I was like, nah, man, you missed it there. And although, like, theoretically, I do think, like I just explained, that white people can enjoy various aspects of their culture without being racist or without, and again, you know, still being Christian. But I, yeah. just the way, just the way history has played out in America, I do think. I mean, celebrate those things, but you you kind of set yourself up to kind of just yeah. Don't say, oh, we're celebrating. We're having White Culture Day today. Because basically, because it's white culture is the mainstream culture, basically, mm. every day is white culture day. Every day. That's why we every have to day. highlight these other cultures 
Yeah. Because otherwise, if you when you're when someone one thing is the norm, even if you are neutral in your verbiage, whatever that norm is, is what everyone knows you're talking about. Yeah. You know, so like if we have we have like we have all these uh, racially neutral benefits that supposedly all citizens are supposed to, you know, be able to take advantage of, but we know it's really meant for white people. Like if I go, I was just reading about how like the new deal, the new deal didn't say anywhere that black people weren't allowed to get a mortgage, but they weren't, they weren't like that, that the, the FHA loans that were created um, to help people finance homes was on paper available to everybody. Yeah. But they were not given to everybody. It was like 98% or something ridiculous yeah. of the loans that were given out under the new deal were, were only given to, to white people. So that's why even mm-hmm. like, like when you say, well, if there was a, like people talk about, if there was, you know, in, in response to BET, like if there was a white entertainment network, there are white entertainment TV, then y'all would be mad. I was like every other n- network, it's white <laughs> TV. I was like, we, we, yes, we do have them. There's ABC, NBC, Fox, yeah. like all of them. Even if they have like some, I guess, diverse cat, like some diverse shows. Like, but the majority, mm-hmm. it's like the majority of their programming is geared to a mainstream or white American culture. I um, mean, and unless yeah. one, yeah, one last thing, which is why we yeah. highlight, we have celebrations that highlight, mm-hmm. or and, and networks that highlight. Um, the existence mm-hmm. of of other cultures and to be completely honest even looking at BT or some of these other channels they're still geared towards white audiences even BT is like really they're, yeah I don't really watch BT like that so I'll explain so originally when BT first started, it was owned by Bob Johnson. And Bob Johnson was like, you know, there's nothing for black people. There's, there's, there's no outlet for black stars, for black anything, for black issues to be talked on that will be looked at on a national level. And I think early 2000s, BT was bought by Vicom. Vicom owns a vast majority of everything that you see is like is Viacom is one of the uh, six major cable corporations. I'm talking yeah. Viacom owns BET, VH1, MTV, Comedy Central. Um, I can probably go down the list. And Maybe what happened? Because they might own YouTube too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Google's holding on pretty strong for that. So. <laughs> but even then, you never know. Mm-hmm. But the importance behind that is understanding that the people who pay the bills, who, who pick the shows that are on the programming, are now not Bob Johnson and black people. Is controlled by a larger corporation that wants to make sure that certain things are sterilized so that if a white person or a Latino or an Asian person comes across BET, they're not intimidated and feel that they're excluded from watching it, which that was never the idea behind BET in the first place. Mm-hmm. But BET was supposed, was designed originally to give, to create a platform for black stars, black entertainment. 
so that people could see those things. But going back to a different time, when you look at what white pride has always been, white pride has always been based around superiority by saying whiteness is better than. It didn't matter what it was. Even when we look back at history and see that uh, Italians were discriminated against because they weren't considered white enough. There you look at Irish weren't considered white enough for a long time. You, you even have it to the point where like Chinese immigrants were stereotyped with the exact same stereotypes that has stuck with blackness for years. You can see old caricatures of Chinese people with huge lips, baggy clothes, and people were like, oh, oh my gosh. Even the stereotypes that we get for blackness nowadays was attributed originally to hillbillies. And the idea hillbillies, well, we, we, I don't even need to go through a whole history lesson on that. But the original stereotype of them was sloppy clothes, speaks in broken English, big lips, stupid, et cetera, et cetera. And you turn around and you see those same stereotypes applied to blackness. So those images have changed over the years. And whiteness in general is always based on a superiority. So when people hear concepts talking about Black Lives Matter, people still use the same schisms and uh, perspective that was applied towards white pride or white superiority. So when people hear that, oh yeah, black excellence, people automatically assume that means that black means as black superiority when that's not the case. The vast majority of black people just are happy that we're doing well. I'm cheering for everybody black as Issa Rae said. And what that really meant, it didn't mean that everybody black is better than everybody white. No, it meant that I'm happy to see our success and us getting acknowledged for our humanhood and excellence. And we have just as much right and dignity um, to be celebrated as everybody else does. Everybody else. And I think that is super important when we talk about this, is that it's not about the moment that we step out of, the moment that we start looking around, uh, looking for superiority, is the moment that we leave our Christian covering. Yeah. And I think, um, I think, I think the onus of fighting against divisiveness should not be placed on the minorities, should not be placed on the people who have historically been discriminated against. It should not. And I think that's where a lot of things go, go south when we talk about um, race relations, is that it's automatically assumed that it should be, the black people should make sure they reach out and, and hug, a, hug a Nazi today. Huh. No, it's not, it's not my responsibility to, to be a friend and go out of my way to understand the woes of somebody who's systematically trying to kill me. It's not, it's not my onus. However, should I still respect you? Should I still love you? If something happens, 
should I, should I, like, if you, if there's somebody gets shot at and a Nazi gets hit, I shouldn't just be like, oh, well, because that's anti-Christ-like. But should I go out of my way for a guy who's cursing me out to say, I love you? I think I should act in love. I think I should act in love. But at the same time, if my life is in danger, I shouldn't go out of my way to be like, oh, well, he just needs a hug. He's, he's not sending thousands of people to gas chambers. Maybe that's too far. Sorry. Nah, man. Go ahead and talk. <laughs> I mean, um, I don't know. I, have, I, have, I struggle greatly with the idea of um, this whole neo-Nazi, white supremacy, white nationalism arising because it is fueled by fear and hate. And those are the things that I cannot accept. Yeah. yeah As, go ahead. I was just going to say, and I apologize for interrupting because I was like, oh my God. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think a lot of times one thing that a lot of these conservative and neo-Nazi types try to do when they're trying to be kind of slick is say that, oh, you know, well, you're supposed to be accepting and loving of everybody, right? Well, how come you can't be accepting and loving of us? You know, if you like, especially like if, if they were trying to come at us yeah. as yeah. as Christians, like, well, you're a Christian, right? And, you know, and you're saying that we're that we were all made in the image of God, so you should, you know, you should be kind and accommodating, and accepting of me. And I was like, I I completely disagree with that because yes, Jesus did approach. He was Jesus was known as a friend of sinners, and he sat down and ate with people. He would eat with prostitutes. Um, the lady who was caught um, in in adultery. adultery. Um, he just said, go. He said, your accusers have gone, go and sin no more. So much grace, so much love, so much tenderness. But when it came to those people who were the quote unquote leaders of society who were parading as if they were righteous, mm-hmm. but were teaching as doctrine the, uh, the laws of men. Yes. Um, he had, he had the, the most scathing, vicious rebukes for yeah. those people he called the pharisees a brood of vipers man when he came into the temple and saw the money changers and just basically people who were basically like selling forgiveness um in mm-hmm. in the temple he flipped the tables and he t- and he just sit there he tied a cord together and you know it's back in two thousand years ago so you know <laughs> evil and, and just vicious you know yeah. he made a whip and flipped the tables and beat them and he and the main reason was because they were parading and acting as if they were righteous mm-hmm. when they really, they were, you know, they were self-serving and it was completely um, just, it was from the kingdom of darkness and not from the kingdom. Yeah. Of God. And yeah. not only were they doing it, they were teaching others that it was right. And they were teaching others to do so as well. Yeah. And that's what these um, hateful groups are, are doing. So I don't like, yeah, we're going to, in terms of like acting in love, like Jesus like God is love. If Jesus is God, then Jesus was love incarnate, and love incarnate was flipping tables, flipping <laughs> people, and yeah. love incarnate was calling people, was calling vipers out, and he was calling demons out by name. Calling he called mm-hmm. a spade a spade, and yeah. if God is love and Jesus is God, then that 
that's what love does. You know, like your mama, yeah. like your mama, she you know she'll she'll love you. She'll 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 wake you up in the morning, make your breakfast and all that. But when you're when you're wrong, mama gonna tell you. Okay. You're wrong. And as you're as, as, as we as Christians have the God of love inside of us, we, and we if like that's why we need Christ to show us. We need uh, we need the Holy Spirit to to guide us to really so we can know what is the loving thing to do mm. in this mm. situation because yeah. like yes God like God has standards of righteousness but God is a uh, like I feel like people try to act like well a lot of people try to act like God is just like this this monolithic being. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he can't like the the complexities of of society is is too much for God's rigid standards of righteousness. I was like, man, God is big enough. God is fluid enough to roll yeah. with everything. There is nothing that's beyond him. And yeah. and in various situations, different actions, um, and different approaches are are loving. So like, I'm not going to you know pity pat you if I see that you're walking towards destruction and if I see that you're yeah. leading others in destruction, I'm going to do what's the loving thing to do is to do what's necessary to stop mm-hmm. you, to convict you mm-hmm. and to let others see that, no, this is not the way that this is the way here. Yeah. And in regards to, cause I got, we got to, we got to bring it to a close. Cause it's about to yeah. be, a, yeah, yeah. this ended up being longer than I thought it was going to be, but that's nothing, nothing wrong with that. But in terms of, like we were talking about how, like the, I guess the difficulty that I guess, the history of whiteness in this country has set up for itself and in basically mm-hmm. in its inability to be able to celebrate itself without appearing oppressive. It's mm-hmm. like just what everybody needs to do, like what all cultures, what all individuals need to do, you need to redefine yourself from mm-hmm. a Christ centric standpoint. Like yeah. whiteness needs to be redefined. Blackness needs to be redefined. Mm-hmm. Every culture needs to be redefined based off of, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Start there and define, define yourself from there and you'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. I think, um, I think there, there, there is a necessity for whiteness to take some time and really like re, re-identify because people fighting for representation and 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 to be heard is not a detriment or a slight against your identity i think it is fighting against the mistakes that have been made in the past mm-hmm. and for us to be in love i think it needs to be we we have to take those times and not just focus on the truth of society and not even from just our personal truth, but we have to take it all the way back and find out what God's truth is. Yeah. And looking for God's truth is that there is no difference between me and you. There's no difference just because we were in different places and we have different culture, that's fine. Those are things that we, we learned, we started playing a different type of music at the exact same time. Great, okay? But the issue comes in is whenever I say that mine is better than yours. And whenever you're in trouble and I refuse to reach my hand out to help you, whenever I'm looking at someone else, because God, God's love is action. There is action in that. 
It is not just passive, oh, well, I'll just accept them for their hateful talk. No, I can tell you that you're wrong. I can tell you that you're hateful. I can tell you those things are not aligned with God. And that is okay. And also, we have to respect that people can be on a pathway that is different from ours. That people can be at different points of development and growth. So yeah, I may have certain things on lock and perfectly understood and managed, and then other things I'm completely struggling with. And that's okay. But it has to be respect, love, patience, and kindness involved in all this. Otherwise, we are doing a disservice to Christ, in Christ's name. Mm-hmm. We're doing a disservice. So is Black August a great thing? Yeah. Should there be a White August? Sure. If you can find whatever you have that you want to celebrate that is not based in the degradation of others, yes. perfectly fine. That's why you can see something with Asian or you could see something from Latinos and have no problem at all because it should be I'm enjoying and I'm celebrating what we have and if you can't think of something that you have that does not relate to degradation of others you need to reflect and figure out or create something that does not involve hurting others and once you're beyond that because that's what, that's what uh, St. Patrick's Day is. Yes, it is a representation of a lot of alcohol. But at the same time, the Irish people are not saying that they're better than anybody else. And that is a great representation of how you can still celebrate what you have learned, who you are, without hurting others. Yeah. And with that said, We're just going to go to God and go to the Father in prayer because we can talk all day, but without the Spirit leading us, what's really going to happen, you know? So, dear God, we thank you again for this conversation. We thank you for blessing us with, uh, one, the intellect and also your Spirit that leads us into knowledge and gives us insight and understanding and discernment into what love really is and to what an acceptable celebration of self and of culture is to you, Lord God. So we just pray, God, help us to see ourselves for who we really are. Help us to understand um, our cultural and and ethnic identities um, in the context of the history of our nation, the history of Western Western culture and the colonization of basically almost, almost the entire world. Um, and in the context of of the kingdom, in the context of the existence of a holy of a holy God, Lord God, help us to understand that problems between races is just a symptom of that first problem of, of original sin. As soon as we sinned against you, Lord God, our vertical relationship was severed, and that effectively severed our ability to love horizontally as well. Mm-hmm. So help us to be restored to you as individuals, as families, as communities, as nations, and then to be restored to one another 
as brothers and sisters, as fellow citizens in the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Miles, man. Great conversation, no problem, as man. always. <laughs> I had a blast. I had a blast. I, um, I always enjoy these chances to sit down and talk about the things that matter. Christ, uh, great culture, and, and honestly trying to figure out how to be saved and woke at the same time. So True, true, true. I'm always for it. I'm always enjoying my time with you. And to all everybody out there, love you guys. Please check out my blog at everythingsmagnificent.com. That's everything's magnificent. So E-V-E-R-Y-T-H-I-N-G-S. Magnificent. M-A-G-N-I-F-I-C-E-N-T.com. Everythingsmagnificent.com. Or you can follow me on literally all social media as Miles Magnifico. Um, and that's where you can find me. Otherwise, much love and uh, turn your brightness up. Be magnificent. And as my boy Juan always says. Well, before that, make oh. sure you, can follow, you can follow your boy at Mr. <laughs> underscore saved and woke on Instagram. I'm going to stop pretending that I'm on Twitter. I have an account. I never use it. Um, <laughs> Instagram at Mr. Underscore Saved and Woke. And you can now follow the show specifically at Saved and Woke. And with that said, until next time, keep the, keep faith, the faith and, and stay, stay woke. woke.